Hey City First, today is July 13th, and so I'm filming this a little earlier in the week from when you're seeing it. But on Monday, I decided to drive up today to Lake Geneva, and I came to the room where 30 years ago tonight, on July 13th, I gave my life to Jesus and became a follower of him. And this is it. This is the room right here. And you know, as I stand in this room, I just sit here and think, I have zero regrets for giving my life to Jesus. It was literally the best decision I've ever made in my entire life. And I'm so grateful to God that he saved me, that he forgave me of my sin, and that he gave me a life of purpose. And I just wanted to come up here today just to be here for a moment and just take a second and pray and thank him. So you know what today I wanna to talk about? I wanna talk about what I've learned in the last 30 years. Some very simple truths, but I think they're life-changing. Some simple truths about following Jesus and what he has done to my life and what he can do for yours. Hello, City First Church family and everyone joining us online. And right now, if you are in person at our Southwest Florida location at Cape Coral, we want to say we love you. We are so glad that you guys are gathering together. And I just want to say to all of you, I realize I say this almost every week, but Jen and I love you very much. And we miss you. We miss gathering together as a global church at City First, all the locations being able to come together. We miss that and we miss you, but I want you to know that we hope that you are doing well. Now, as you saw in that video that I filmed earlier this week on Monday, July 13th, I celebrated my 30th spiritual birthday. Now, what that means is, is this, it means that 30 years ago, I made the purposeful decision to make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of my life. Now, the Bible would say this, the Bible would call that making Jesus my Lord and my Savior. You know, and I woke up on Monday morning and I realized that it was July 13th. And all of a sudden I started to do the math and I realized that it was my 30th spiritual birthday. And so in a very impromptu moment, I decided to hop in my car and drive to Wisconsin to a place called the Lake Geneva Conference and Youth Camp. And that is where I gave my life to Jesus. And I thought, you know what? I just wonder if I could get in the room, in the room that that night, 30 years prior, I gave my life to Jesus. So I walked up to the building. In fact, it is this building right now. Here, I'm showing you. And it was immediately a moment that my mind and my heart were flooded with all kinds of memories from that life-changing night. And then I walked up to these doors and I was thinking to myself, I wonder if they're unlocked. And sure enough, I went to turn the knob and it was unlocked. And when I walked into that room, I literally stood in that place that was frozen in time. Not a lot had changed in the last 30 years in that room, but everything had changed in the last 30 years of my life. And it was such a surreal moment. You know, many decades before, I, I was in that room as a 20-year-old young adult. One thing that you may know or may not know is that I'd pretty much grown up my whole life in church. I mean, since I was practically born, my mom had taken me to Sunday school and to church almost every single weekend. 
And some of you may not even realize this, but it was in the early 80s that my mom actually brought me to this church, City First. I wasn't called City First at the time. When I was a freshman in high school, and I began to attend this church, this life group, and I was very interested in faith. And I was pretty much overall a pretty good kid. But unfortunately, it was around my junior year that I started hanging around some wrong friendships and some wrong individuals. And I started to do some very wrong things. That's why even to this day, I say this, show me your friends and I will show you your future. That's more than just a nice little cliche or sounding like it should be on a bumper sticker. I actually lived that. And so I believe it is a truism. It's a truth that who you hang around determines where you go in your future. Well, over time, I started to make some very poor decisions, whether that was drinking or partying or having not so positive relationships in my life. I found myself living a very fast paced, wild, pleasure seeking life. And don't get me wrong. It wasn't bad. Actually, to be honest with you, I was having a ton of fun. I think a lot of times people mistakenly believe that you come to Jesus when you're at a place of desperation. I was not at a place of desperation. Actually, my life was going really, really, really good. I had all kinds of friends. I had money. I had a great reputation. I was living a fast-paced life. Everything was going my way. The future was looking bright. And then I got invited to go on this youth and young adult retreat. And honestly, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go because I had grown up in church and I believed that people who went to church were people that needed a crutch in life or they were not critical thinkers themselves. So I had a bad taste of church, not because church was bad, but because I had walked away from God. And so therefore I had a critical view of church. And here I am being invited to go on this youth and young adult retreat and I didn't want to go. But I had some friends that asked me to go and the youth leader was begging that I would come. And so I decided to go ahead and go to Lake Geneva on this retreat. I still believe that there was a God, but I didn't want to have anything to do with faith. So I went on this retreat and I found myself in a Friday night worship service, wondering what the heck I was doing there. Like literally, normally Friday nights, I would be out partying or at the bars or with friends. And here I am in a church service. And the sermon that night, the sermon was a combination of preaching and a drama. And quite honestly, I thought it was completely lame. I, I was bored. I'm, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, what in the world am I doing here? And so at the end of service, a pastor got up on that stage and started to ask if anybody wanted to come forward for prayer for various things. All of the things that he mentioned were not relevant to where I was at. And so I literally, in the middle of the response time, what you could call an altar call, I got up out of my chair and I walked out into the hallway and I went out there to a Coke machine and I bought myself a Coke. At the time, that was probably 50 cents or so. And I went into the hallway and started drinking the Coke. And then I walked over to the entrance to the room to these double doors that I took a picture of on Monday. And I stood there at the entrance of the room with the doors propped open, looking in the service, drinking my Coke, and again, wondering what was going on. Why was I there? 
Well, then the strangest thing happened. And honestly, it was quite unexplainable. In fact, I would even say this, it was quite supernatural. As I stood there in that doorway, watching people responding to God, worshiping and singing, walking forward for prayer, I felt this presence. Honestly, it was the, it was the most supernatural thing. I felt this presence come over me and there was a realization. And that realization that entered my mind in that moment was this, that my fun, fast pace, got the world by its tail kind of life was about ready to come crashing to the ground. Like I, I sensed it. It was as real as me standing here today. I felt this inner sense that God was saying that, you know what? All the lifestyle that I've been living, all the choices that I've been making, all the things that I've been doing were about ready to come crashing down. The house of cards was about ready to fall. I kind of liken it to this, like a roller coaster. Like if you ever been on one of those roller coasters that are really, really tall and the car goes up the roller coaster, click, 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 click. And then you get to the very top, the precipice of it, the very top you could say. And guess what? They make you sit there a little bit, right? Because they want you to get a little scared right before the rush of going down. That's where I felt like I was with my life. For years, four years, I've been going up and up and up. Things were going great. Everything was going my way. I had the best life, but now I was at the top and I was sitting there and I felt like God was saying, because of your choices, because of your wrong actions, consequences are going to catch up with you soon. And pretty soon your life is going to come crumbling down. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that sin is fun for a season or pleasurable for a season. And it is. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it, right? You wouldn't sin if it wasn't fun for a little bit. Well, it was fun. I was having a great time. But the Bible also says this in the book of Numbers. It says, be sure that your sin will find you out. In other words, sin catches up with you eventually. The consequences catch up eventually. And that's where I was. I felt my consequences of my choices were catching up to me as I stood there in that doorway. And so you know what I did? I put my Coke down and I walked through those doors and I made a very specific decision to walk forward and make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of my life that night. I will never forget it. As I walked down that aisle and I sat and kneeled right in the front of that stage. I remember in that moment, I was saying, Jesus, take my broken, shattered, baggage-filled life and I'm giving it to you and I need a new life because I knew deep down inside that I was living a life that was wrong, that was full of sin and full of compromise. A wave of emotions crashed over me in that moment. It, 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 was, it was interesting because I had not cried for years. I'm, I was not a very emotional person. And, and you know what? As I was there at that stage, kneeling down, all of a sudden this wave of emotions came over me and I began to weep uncontrollably. And you know what I felt? 
I felt again a supernatural sensation. I felt the hurt that I had created in the heart of God as I had rebelled against him. I felt that God was hurt over my choices. But you know what I also felt? I felt also this powerful, unconditional, supernatural love and acceptance that no matter what I had done, the heavenly father loved me, cared about me, and was welcoming me home. That night, that night changed my life and I will never be the same. And 30 years later, now I am the pastor of the very church that hosted that retreat. And 30 years later, I have been on a journey with Jesus for the last three decades. A journey of faith and trust, forgiveness and restoration, love and hope. And you know, for the remainder of the time that we have together today, I want to tell you about the decision that I made 30 years ago. And I want to talk about whether it was worth it. You know, was giving my life to Jesus and making him the Lord and the leader of my life, the forgiver and my savior, was it worth it looking back now over the last 30 years? Has it been beneficial? Was it the right decision? Should you make that decision? You see, some of you right now that are watching, you're hanging in the balance of faith. You're wondering whether it is worth it, whether following Jesus is worth it. Well, you know what? I'm not an expert, but I do have 30 years under my belt. And for a minute today, I want to talk about whether it was worth it. Because you're going to serve somebody. You know, Bob Dylan sang a song many decades ago, and it said this, you're going to have to serve somebody. Because everybody does. Everybody serves somebody or something. See, a lot of people, they serve themselves. Some people serve money. Some people serve success. Some people serve reputation. Some people serve God. So my question to you today is this. Who or what is your Lord? Capital L or small L? Who or what is your Lord? Because we all have something or someone that we're serving. And whoever you serve or whatever you serve becomes your source. You see, if you serve yourself, then you know what? You are your own source. If you serve money, like your life is all about getting money, well, guess what? Then money is your source. If you serve success and fame or reputation, then those things become your source. But on July 13th, 1990, I made the decision to make Jesus my source because I had tried a bunch of those other things and they couldn't give me what I really needed. You know what? My source became Jesus, my source of forgiveness, my source of salvation, and a lot of other things that I want to talk to you about today. So over the last 30 years, I've realized that God has given me many things. And today I want to talk to you about what God gives you when you make him the leader and the forgiver of your life. So the first thing that I received from God is this, I've received peace. I've received peace. You see, I've been given peace with God and peace also in my life and in my circumstances. You know, that night I found peace with God. And before that, I was not at peace. I was restless. I was searching. I was compensating for a 
hollowness that was in my life by trying to fill that void with things like money and friends and drinking and drugs and all kinds of other things. I was trying to compensate for something. You see, I did all kinds of things to drown my conscience, to try to take away my shame, to give me peace in my soul. But yet the more I tried, the less peace that I experienced. You know why? I was running from God. Some of you today, as you watch this, if we're going to be super honest, you're running from God. You're running from God. You're running from his love. You're running from the life that he wants you to live. And, and you know, I, I know it because I was there. You know it, and I knew it. I didn't have a peace, and it's why you don't have a peace either. It's because I was rebelling in my heart and in my actions. I was trying to create my own life apart from God. But that night, I became forgiven. And when I became forgiven, I found peace. The debt of my sin was paid because of what Jesus did on the cross. And all my wrongs and all my sin and all my guilt and all my shame was erased that moment that I knelt at the front of that little stage. And because of that night or the last 30 years, I've experienced peace in my life. Now, now listen, don't, don't get me wrong here. When I say peace, that doesn't mean my life has been peaceful. No, in fact, I will tell you that in the last 30 years, there have been significant challenges. There's been heartache. There's been betrayal. There's been times that people have stabbed me in the back, good friends. There's been things that have happened that have made me have a lot of pain and frustration and anger and all of the things that this hopelessly broken world produces. Oh, listen, my life has not been perfect, but this is the thing. I have had an inner peace in the middle of circumstances that many times are not peaceful. But through it all, there has been a peace that passes all understanding. I love what Jesus talks about when he talks about peace. It's found in the book of John chapter 14. He says this, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace, Jesus says, don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. You know what gives you courage? God's peace. Jesus' kind of peace is not like anything you can find in this world. It's a kind of peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that's in the middle of the storm. It's like the eye of a hurricane that as everything swirls around you, you have peace. It's a peace that carries you through hardship and trials. Now, you can have worry in this life. Or you can have peace, but you can't have both. And I chose that night to allow God to give me his peace as a gift. A gift from Jesus that gives me the courage to approach everyday life. Whether it's a good day, a bad day, or an ugly day. I have the peace of Jesus that guides me through it. Another thing I found is this. That that night... I found the acceptance of God. The acceptance of God was found on that night, and I've been living in that acceptance ever since. In other words, my identity is no longer in what I do or what I have, but my identity is in who Jesus says that I am. 
We sing a song around here a lot at City First, and it's a Hillsong worship song. It goes like this. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. You see, if you're looking to things or other people to give you your identity, you will always find yourself lacking in real identity and acceptance. Because of God's unconditional love and his acceptance, because of what Jesus did on the cross, I know who I am now. And for the last 30 years, even though there have been times of confusion and such, I know that I'm a child of God, that I am victorious, that I am favored, that I am purposed, that I am forgiven, that I have hope, and that you know what? That God is redeeming me. You see, where do you find your identity? Because we all find it somewhere. We find it in a person. We find it in stuff. We find it somewhere. But I chose on July 13th, 1990, to find my identity in the creator, the one who had created me. So you know what? That night and ever since, I have been accepted by God. And therefore, my identity is in who he says that I am. You know, another thing I found, I found this, that I've experienced true joy, true joy. Joy is really rare nowadays. I mean, come on, read the headlines with me. Do you see any joy in the headlines right now? Do you see any joy in our world right now? It's super rare, isn't it? You know why? Sin ruins joy. You know, many times over the last 30 years, I have studied a king in the Old Testament by the name of David. I, I preach about him a lot. He's actually a spiritual hero to me. As I read the Bible, there are certain people that really kind of are elevated and, and resonate with me. And guess what? David is one of those people. David was said to have a heart after God. He was a man after God's own heart, the Bible says, but also he was a very flawed creature. He, he, he did a lot of bad things. He made a lot of mistakes and he made a lot of wrong choices. Well, we read in the Old Testament that one of the times that he made a big mistake is that he actually had an affair with his neighbor's wife and then used his power as king to have this woman's husband killed. So in essence, David was an adulterer and a murderer and this is when he was a follower of God. Can you believe that? I mean, he made a huge wrong choice. Well, David eventually came underneath the conviction of God and he repented and he came clean and he wrote a letter to God and some believe it's a song to God and we now call it Psalm 51. It's in the Old Testament. Let me take a moment and I want to read to you a portion of this letter to God that David wrote after he repented. It says this, in Psalm 51, verse 7, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy. Hear that? Give me back my joy again, God. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. David's joy was gone because he had sinned. And when you sin, you will always have a lack of joy. 
Can I be honest and candid with some of you today that are watching, some of you that are Christ followers, some of you that are Christians? You're listening in today and you don't have joy. You don't have joy in your life. You don't have joy in your relationships. You don't have joy in your journey. And may I just lovingly say, it may be because there's an area of compromise in your life that you've drifted from God, that you aren't reading your Bible, you're not praying, you're making some wrong choices, some choices of compromise. There may be hidden sin, whatever it is. Can I tell you, joy and sin cannot be present at the same time. And so if you're lacking joy, maybe you're like David and you need to repent. That was me. I was lacking joy and I had to come to God like David and say, God, forgive me. And guess what? When I repented and when I chose to obey God, the joy in my life returned. I began to have joy and that's happened multiple times in the last 30 years. There've been times that I've done wrong things. I've been in compromise and I've had come back to God and say, God, forgive me. And then guess what? The joy of my salvation returned. It's important. It's important to have joy in your life. It's important to always be saying, God, I want to obey you because when you are good with God, the joy is in your life. When you're good with God, the joy of your salvation is evident. Another thing that I notice is this, that I've been given hope. I've been given hope, hope for today, hope for tomorrow, hope for my future. We always see in the New Testament, especially in the four gospels, that in the historical accounts of Jesus, when people would seek out Jesus, they would try to find him. They would go to great lengths to walk long distances to be around Jesus. And here's the reason why, because when they found him, they found real hope. They found that there was a sense of hope that he was, that he gave. Hope that comes from Jesus has eternity as a focus. You hear what I said that? Hope that comes from Jesus has eternity as a focus. It says in 2 Corinthians, let me read it for you. No wonder we don't give up, for even though our outer person gradually wears out, right? I mean, every day we're getting older, we're getting older, we're wearing out on the outside, but yet our inner being is renewed every single day. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. You hear what Paul's saying there? He's saying that we see our troubles in the light of eternity, in the light of heaven, in the light of someday that there will be a place with no tears, no sin, no heartache, but rather we will be in the presence of God. So we are to look at our, our temporary setbacks and our trials in that light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal weighty glory far beyond all comparison because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but what is unseen for what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. I know that things may be crazy right now in our world. And I realize there may not be a lot of hope in our world right now, but there is hope. 
there is hope right in the middle of the craziness, right in the middle of the mess. But I can tell you something, that hope is not found in a government. It's not found in a, a nation. It's not found in a president. It's not found in a person. It's not found in your bank account. It's not found in your accomplishments. It's not found on how many plaques you have on the wall. Rather, hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Our hope is that these struggles that we are presently in are only temporary because someday heaven is our home. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this sickness, that this setback, this joblessness, this struggle, the stress that you're going through right now, whatever it is you're going through, it's just temporary. Someday you're going to be on the backside of that. Someday you're going to be victorious and you'll have overcome it. And even someday all of us will stand in the presence of Jesus and all of our struggles and all of our trials and all the things that we are facing will be a distant memory in our past. That someday we're going to stand in heaven. And at that moment, we will be in the glory of God. You see, our hope is that these struggles are temporary. The last thing is this, the last thing that I have time for today. There's a whole other list of things I could talk to you about, but the last one we have time for is this. I have found and have been given true purpose. Before I gave my life to Jesus, my goal in life was to own a BMW, to live in a big city, to make lots of money working for a marketing firm. That was really my goal. Now, can I tell you something? There's nothing wrong with owning a BMW. There's nothing wrong with living in a big city. There's nothing wrong with making a lot of money or working for a marketing firm. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But those things cannot be the ultimate purpose of your life. What you do for a career is not the ultimate purpose of your life. How much money you make is not the ultimate purpose of your existence. And yet, that's what my goal was. My goal was to do that. You know, it's kind of interesting. Mother Teresa one time said that the poorest people in the world live in the West, meaning in America, because they think that they have wealth because they have things, and yet their soul is bankrupt. They think the purpose of their life, she said, was to just get more stuff. And because of that, they were the poorest people on the face of the earth. Ouch, right? Jesus said it this way. Jesus said it, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul? I mean, Jesus is saying, what is it if you gain all the money, all the reputation, all the degrees, all of the success, all the stuff. What is it if you get all of that and you lose your soul? You see, God has a plan for your life and it's more than just to get stuff. In fact, the only way to discover the plan that God has for you is to do what I did 30 years ago and to surrender your life to Jesus to the one who created you, the one that forgives you, the, the one that designed you with the gifts that you have and has a kingdom assignment for you. So here's the question, was it worth it? Was it worth making that decision 30 years ago? Well, I think you already know my answer. The answer is a resounding yes, a million times yes. I cannot imagine my life 
without Jesus. I don't even want to imagine my life without Jesus. I can honestly say, I'm not sure that I would still be alive. My life was on a trajectory that was going nowhere. Now, 30 years later, I have a beautiful family. I have a wonderful calling. I'm a part of an amazing church. I'm able to have purpose and hope and unconditional love and identity and acceptance that comes from God himself. I live with a peace that passes all understanding as Jesus helps me navigate my life through some of these really, really rough waters. So guess what? It's absolutely worth it. And I hope that today that you're encouraged. I hope today that you are excited about the idea that Jesus gives you life and life to the fullest. Not a perfect life, not a life of peaceful circumstances, but a life that has him in the middle at the center, a life of purpose, a life that is forgiven, a life that no longer has shame and regret, but rather instead a life that has hope and has love. And if you want that kind of life, I would be honored today. I would be honored to pray with you. I would be honored to pray and lead you in a prayer, the kind of prayer that I prayed 30 years ago, the kind of prayer that can literally change your entire life, that can change your entire future, that can change everything. In fact, God says this, that when you give him your old life, that he gives you a brand new life. Do you want a brand new life today? Do you want to trade in your broken down, your, your, your hopeless, your frustrated life? And do you want to trade it for life to the fullest, Jesus says? If so, then I'd love to lead you in a prayer right where you're at, in your living room, watching on your smart device. Just pray a prayer like this. Go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. Jesus, I need you. Come into my life and forgive me of my sin. I believe you died for me so that I can have a new life. I accept your unconditional love. Thank you, God, for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, that was the most important life-changing prayer you could ever pray. Can I tell you something? 30 years later after I prayed that prayer, it is worth it. And before we close today, I wanna to say one last thing. I wanna talk for a moment just to those people that have already prayed that prayer. You're already a Christ follower. I hope you realize that you have made the best decision of your life whenever you prayed that prayer. I hope that you remember today that Jesus wants to give you life and life to the fullest. He wants to give you a life of peace, a life of acceptance. He wants to give you a life of hope. He wants to give you a life of purpose. He wants to give you a life of joy. And I hope you embrace that today. Don't forget it in the middle of this craziness. Don't forget the blessing of the life that God has given to you. 
And so thank you, City First, for joining us today. Jen and I love you like crazy. Join us next week. We're beginning a brand new series out of Colossians chapter 3. It is going to be life-changing. So invite all your friends and family, all right? And join us next week. We love you. God bless and have a great week.